Most people think a church is all about what happens on the stage every weekend, but we know it goes way beyond that. There's that woman who faithfully holds babies in the nursery week in and week out. Plus, there's that couple who gently leads younger couples, helping them figure out all that a marriage really can be. Plus, there's that guy who's always up for driving a minivan full of teenagers to their next youth event. Plus, there are key leaders who make visionary decisions about the direction of the church and are just fine with serving outside of the spotlight. Plus, the guys and gals who run sound and make sure that the right words are on the screen at the right time. Plus, the good people filling the seats who may or may not have their act all together. Side note, no one has their act all together. Add to that the man who arrived early today to pray with anticipation over every empty seat. A seat that would be filled by you today. We could go on, but you get the idea. When these less than perfect people are all added together, we're left with a special place full of special people. It's a group of people who are all figuring out how best to follow Jesus so that our lives leave his residue behind in every location and in every conversation. And somewhere in the middle of all this imperfection, we believe that God is smiling and that the bride of Christ is being revealed as beautiful and redemptive in spite of her flaws. And together, we're becoming something that God simply calls church. So can we count you in? Yes, thank you, Travis. So we're in the midst of a three-week series called Yes, No. We're looking at... um, how to use these words to be like Jesus. And last week we talked about saying yes to some things. We talked about saying yes to the kingdom of God, yes to getting a new heart, yes to um, attending church regularly, yes to going to small groups, yes to serving, yes to tithing. Um, but today I want to talk to you about that two-letter word no, because you can't say yes to certain things until you say no to other things. you got to learn to say no to the wrong things so that you can say yes to the right things. And I used to think whenever you told somebody no, that you had to say no with an excuse. So like, no, because man, I'm just so busy or no with this big flowery reason why you can't do it. But I think that what Jesus is teaching us in this series and and, in his word is that sometimes we just just politely need to say no without any excuses. And I think that's what he's talking about in Matthew 5 37, which is our theme verse for these three weeks. Jesus is talking and he says, say only yes, if you mean yes and no, if you mean no. If you say more than yes or no, it is from the evil one. The evil one is Satan. He's saying if you're the type of person who has to add extra words to your promises, then you have a character problem. You have a heart problem. And this is a big deal because Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, religious leaders, and the Pharisees had come up with these words. They would swear by certain things, not cussing, but they would swear like, I promise in the name of the temple in Jerusalem, or they would promise by the altar, or they would promise by heaven or earth. They said, if you promise this way, you have to keep your promise. But if you promise with these words, you don't have to keep it. And Jesus goes, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let your character be such that when you say yes, you mean it. And when you say no, you mean it. So today I want to talk to you about saying the right no that will enable you to say the right yes. You see, I have to say no to certain things so that I can say a bigger yes in my relationship with Jesus. I have to say no to certain things so I can say a bigger yes to Janie and my relationship with her and my relationship with my kids. I have to say no to certain things so that I can say a bigger yes to 
to, um, to things in the kingdom of God because I'm a leader at New Life Community Church. So the rules for leaders are different than the rules for some other folks. So we got to learn to say no. Now, how many of you, when you were growing up, especially when you were a kid, maybe a teenager, you always believed that no was a negative answer. Let me see your hands. Everybody right? No, just seems like a negative answer. Well, let me tell you, I got, I got news for you today. The right no is actually very positive. The right no, saying no to the wrong things, the right no is very, very positive. And somebody's like, well, isn't that just double talk? Why? No, it's not. Let me give you some examples from scripture. Moses, I call him Big Mo because he is the hero of the Old Testament. Moses said a big fat no to being a VIP in Pharaoh's kingdom so that he could say a bigger yes. What was the bigger yes behind his no? He was going to be the person who led God's chosen people, the Israelites, out of bondage in Egypt. So he could say yes to being a VIP uh, in Pharaoh's kingdom, or he could say yes to being hero of the Old Testament and leading God's people out of slavery. Because you see, you can't do both. A yes to one is a no to the other. You can't do both things. He made the right no, he said the right no, and we're still talking about Big Mo. I'm working hard today, so y'all pay attention. Joshua and Caleb said no to a bunch of whiny, legalistic, backbiting, negative, mean-spirited Baptists. I mean Hebrews. Juice. I just slipped out. I just slipped out. Um, <laughs> they said no because of a bigger yes. What was the bigger yes? Was to go into the promised land. And see, they said yes because of a no. They said no because they wanted to follow God's yes. And, and saying no to what the other 10 spies said yes to cost Joshua and Caleb 40 years of their lives wandering around in the wilderness. But everybody else above the age of 20, every other male above the age of 20 died in the wilderness, but not Joshua and Caleb. They got to go into the promised land, taste the fruit. They got to conquer. They are heroes of the book of Joshua because they said no to one thing so they could say a bigger yes to God. And we're still talking about them thousands of years later because they said the right no so they could say a bigger yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they were they were taken away in captivity. They were in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to bow down and worship this statue. Now, I cannot tell this story without thinking about Sam Houston, the statue of Sam Houston. I remember the first time that, that I was coming back from Houston, I'd take a, a group of teenagers and, and I'd, I guess I wasn't paying attention because when you're going that way, you don't really see Sam when you're going south. You don't see him until the last second and he's there and you go, wow, that's a big deal. But when we were coming back, it was nighttime. It was kind of misting. There was, I don't know what was going on. It looked like Sam was levitating above I-45 and people were like, dude, that looks like a ghost. And I said, no, that's just Sam. He's just a hero. Now, Sam is 65 feet tall. Sam is as tall as all of those pine trees around there. That's a big Sam. King Nebuchadnezzar's statue was 90 feet tall. He was 25 feet taller than Sam. And so the deal was, whenever you heard this certain music, you were supposed to bow down to this 90-foot idol and worship him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. When the king heard about it, the king was ticked. They were workers in his kingdom. The king said, you better do it now. They said no. And then he said, well, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They still said, no, why would somebody do that? Because a lot of people are going, man, just, just don't risk your life. Just bow down on the outside, but stand up on the inside. What's the big deal? The big deal is when you serve the real God, you don't bow down to a fake God. They said, no, we're still talking about them thousands of years later because they said the right no so they could say the right yes. And by the way, God rescued them in such a way that the king becomes a God follower. Because they said the right no. Let's skip to the New Testament. Matthew. 
was a very wealthy tax collector. He left a very lucrative accounting business to follow Jesus and later to write the, the, the book that's the first book of the New Testament. It's called Matthew. And in that book, in chapter 4, Matthew tells about the temptation of Jesus where Satan was trying to disqualify Jesus from being our Savior three times. The Bible says that the, the, the Spirit led him out into the wilderness. There's only three reasons to be in the wilderness. Either you chose to go there, either the Spirit led you, or someone else is influencing you to go there. I guess there's really two reasons. You chose to go or the Spirit led you. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Satan came to tempt him to try to disqualify him. First time he said, Jesus, you've been fasting for 40 days. You've got to be hungry. Turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? No, Travis, the only one first service didn't do this either. This is a yes or no question. When Satan tempted Jesus, turn the stones into bread. What did Jesus say? No. And then he said, yes to the word of God. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan's like, okay, you're going to use the word of God. So he takes him up onto the highest point of the temple. And he says, Jesus, if you will throw yourself off of this temple and save yourself, people will think, man, he's got to be God. And then he quotes scripture. He said, because in Psalms, he didn't say Psalms, but he says, the Bible says that God will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. But he left out a key phrase that says to guard you in all your ways, which means don't put God to the test. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus say to him? No. And then he says yes to the word of God. And he said, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so he says, okay, let's just skip all this other stuff. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, Jesus, if you'll just bow down, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. If you'll just bow down, I'll give you all of this stuff. What does Jesus say to him? No. And then he says, yes to the word of God. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord and serve him only. Why did Jesus say no, no, no? It was so he could say yes to a bigger yes. And what was the bigger yes? It was the cross. See, if he had said yes to Satan, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. We wouldn't have the New Testament. You and I would still be lost in our sins. But he said the right no because of a bigger yes. He said no to the shortcut so that he could say yes to God's plan. God's plan. This is the deal. Some of you don't get this. God's plan led through pain. It led through suffering. It led through humiliation. It led through torture. It led through the cross. It led through death. It led through resurrection. But I guarantee you, if we were to ask Jesus today, if we could interview Jesus today, he would say it's worth it because of you. He would go through it again because of you. He would say no to the glory of earth so that he could have you. Now, what we've got to do is we've got to learn to be like Jesus and say no to the wrong things so that we can say a bigger yes. So what I'm going to do real quickly is I'm going to take you through a list of necessary no's that when you say them, will set you up to say the necessary yeses. All right, you ready for this? Ready or not, here we go. First one is drain no. Notice there's an I in that. It's not this. We're not trying to fix your clogs in your sink. Drain no. Now, here's what I'm talking about. We have an enemy, his name is Satan, who puts four or five leeches in your life. A leech sucks everything out of you, sucks the life out of you, so that you can't even pay attention to what you're supposed to be paying attention to. And we've got some, you've got some. Don't point them out if they're in the room, just leave them alone for now. The problem is, whenever these leeches latch onto us, they suck everything out, and then we give everybody else leftovers. There's ladies. There's ladies all the time that have these projects. Sometimes, ladies, you date the projects. That's the dumbest thing I've ever, I've ever heard. Don't date a dude that you've got to fix. 
that's just ignorant and you're asking for pain and we want to film it so that when you crash and burn, we say, we told you so long that this put the data, that's just dumb. But there's ladies that have these projects and they pour everything they can into them. And then these relationships take everything so that all they give to their, their husbands and, and their, their kids is leftovers. And a lot of husbands and kids don't like the leftovers. Now dudes don't think I'm letting you off. I see you laughing, Thatcher dudes. You don't have projects. You have friends who want to bring you down. You have friends that want to take you places you shouldn't go. You have friends that ask you to compromise your convictions. You have friends who ask you to turn your back on the most important relationships. Uh Uh-huh. You're not smiling anymore. You quit smiling there, Thatcher. I'm not saying that, that you disrespect those people or that you treat them as lesser than you, what I'm saying is you got to have the right relationships in your life. And basically, there's only three types of relationships in your life. The first one is the draining relationship. Or basically, these are the suckers. They just suck. They're like this light. This light has no power on its own to shine. It's too bright, I won't shine it in your face. But this light has no power on its own. It has to be attacked else. So this light, like someone who's immature, who, who is either broken from something that happened in their past. They refuse to get over their past. They're still stuck in their past. They're not, they're not healed from anything in their past. So this is, this is a person I'm saying there may be a reason, but you don't have to, you don't have to let them suck the life out of you, but this is what they'll do. They'll attach to you and they'll just burn bright. As long as they're around you, as long as you are paying attention to them. Now, what's going to happen to this battery? If I leave this light hooked up to it, No one's ever done that, right? Nobody's ever left your lights on on your car, right? What happens to the battery? It drains everything out of it. It sucks the life out of it. And here's the bad thing about these people, the suckers. They don't give a rip that they're draining you. They'll just unattach from you and they'll go find somebody else to suck the life out of. It's what they do. And then if, if, and when you get recharged, because they've sucked the life out of everybody else, they'll come back and suck the life out of you again. They'll start it all over. These people suck. Now, there's another, and, and this is just because I have two batteries. This is, a, this is my, my trolling motor battery, and this is a lawnmower battery. I'm not saying that you're more spiritual than somebody else. This is just what I had in the shed. There's another. So first one is people who suck the life out of you. The second is, uh, these are neutral. Because if we, were to, if we were to hook these two batteries up together, they're both fully charged. They'll both start an engine. They'll both run a trolling motor. They'll run my little stuff when I'm spraying. They'll run my little, um, the pumps that I spray grass with. But if you were to hook these up, there's really not going to be much drain, right? There's not going to be a lot of pumping into one another, but there's also not going to be a lot of drain. So it's kind of neutral. So there's people in your life that when you hang out with, you know, this is kind of fun. (laughs) Okay, good. But when you leave, you're not really drained. They're not really drained. You're not really pumped up. They're not really pumped up. All right. There's just, there's just neutral people. Now, this is the group that we neglect way too often. This is a battery charger. If you're in the lawn mowing business or if you've ever been on a boat, you better have, probably you should have one of those big jumper batteries that you carry. I don't know how many times I've had to hook up a battery and, and jump it in the middle of the lake because other fishermen suck. They're not going to come. They're fishing. Hey, can I have some? Janie's brother one time had his boat on fire and I think he had to, he swam over to a guy who was fishing and, and he said, hey, can you tow me in? He goes, nope. And he just kept on fishing. So you better have a jump start something. This is, this is a battery charger. Now, if I, if I hook this up and I plug it in the wall, what, what's going to be the result of this battery charger to this battery? 
It's going to charge it. And this has a trickle charge because they're smart nowadays. And so if it's all full up, it won't overcharge it and it'll let it go down. Then it'll recharge. The problem is we ignore these people in our lives. And we, we spend all of our time with the suckers. Now, let me say this. Some of you are going to go, I'm just getting rid of the leeches. I'll never have leeches in my life. Here's the deal. I'm talking about balance. You need to have some people that build you up. Janie and I have some friends. When we go to Austin to see our friends Cam and Stacy, we stay up way too late. We actually come home from staying at their house and we have to take naps because we're so exhausted because we'll look at the clock and it's one or two o'clock in the morning and we just love being around them. They love us. They love our kids. In fact, they're trying to get our kids to stay there longer after we leave. Your parents have to go to work. You don't stay here. We love them. Um, we've got some other friends that, that one of my friends, he's a pastor and, and Janie loves his wife. And when we used to hang out with them before we all had kids, we would go to Denny's and be there till four o'clock in the morning. We go, man, we're stupid because we were in seminary and we had to go study and, but we just had so much fun with them. We hang out with Jeff and Teresa. When we go to the lake, we just love certain people There's certain people that build you up and you need to spend some time with them. There's going to be the neutral relationships. That's fine. I'm going to tell you that my small group, and we just started small groups, but my small group has always been a source of energy for me. It builds me up. I don't leave here drained on a Sunday night. I leave here energized. And and let me tell you, Sundays are a long day. I'm usually up at five or five 30 and I go all day. I get a little nap. Sometimes it's a 20 minute nap. Sometimes it's a 30 minute nap. And I'm going to tell you there are times I don't want to drive back up here at five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. But every time, every time I do, I leave this place filled up. Because some of you pour into me and when we open God's word and we pray together, there's just something that happens. So I'm going to tell you, you know, as a pastor, there's sometimes I don't want to be here. It's because of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of. Y'all are going, am I a leech? Am I? Yeah. That's between you and God. We say no to certain things because of a bigger yes. It's okay to say drain no if you have a bigger Yes. And, and the biggest yes in your, in your life is your spouse and your children, your relationship with God. Now, you're going to have to have, I'm sorry, Jesus had some leeches, so you've got to have some. You can't just wipe them all out. That just can't be the majority of your time. Does that make sense? If it makes sense, say yes. yes. All right, so we're going to say drain no. Second, we're going to say techno. Oh, no. This, we almost had a fight in the early service with spouses right here. Travis, I'm just gonna tell you right now, dude, do not make a comment. I'm, I'm, I'm being one of those people that's trying to help you out, brother. There's usually one spouse who's on Facebook more than the other spouse. Don't point at them. I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just declaring reality. And, um, if you're a person that when you get to your house, you have five or six texts, five or six phone calls from the time you get out of your car till you get in the house, you got issues. If you're on a date and you're texting or you're on Facebook, you got issues. If you're at church on a Sunday morning and you're doing Facebook, you got a problem. And let me just say this a couple weeks ago when we did the music service, Rachel's last service and, and, and 
somebody came up and I said, I ask you, if you go out of this, the, the door there, please don't come back in because you can be a distraction. And I don't think any of you want to distract somebody from coming to know Christ or drawing closer to Christ. So if you got to go to the bathroom, you know, if you got small bladder, I got, I got small bladder. My definition of an all nighter is when I stay in bed all night and I don't have to go to the bathroom during the night. So that doesn't happen anymore since I got over 50. So I understand the small bladder, but if I can make it an hour, you can make it an hour. But here's what I'm saying. If you leave, then stay out there because we got it on the TV screen. You can hear it, all of that stuff. Just stay out there. Now, I said that, and then I had a man come up to me after church, and he goes, hey, dude, next time you give that, would you tell people to please stay off of Facebook during worship? And I said, somebody was on Facebook during worship, and he said he, they held it up, and he said, I couldn't even, because it was dark in here. We had a lot of the service that was with lights out. They were looking at Facebook while we were worshiping, and it kept him from worshiping. Don't do that. If you can be kicked out of the movie theater for being on Facebook or on the internet during a movie. We came to that conclusion in the first service, didn't we? All right. So, all right. Take that for what it's worth. If you take your technology on vacation, you have issues. More importantly, you have issues with your family because your spouse knows what's more important. And your children are smart. They know what's more important. They know that everything else is more important than them when you're spending time there. Now, how many of you have ever been to a funeral where you've heard the 23rd Psalm read? Some of you, okay. Some of you, you will. You'll, you'll, it's a great Psalm. But I came across a new 23rd Psalm. It's very appropriate for what we're talking about. Technology is my shepherd. I shall not want. It makes me lie down in front of the high definition screen. It leaves me with incessant noise. It makes me feel significant. Though I walk through the valley of no cell phone coverage, you are with me. My cell phone, iPad, laptop, they comfort me. You set wireless access before me in the presence of my family. You anoint my head with Bluetooth. My email overflows. Surely Microsoft and Verizon, AT&T and Cellular One Two will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the database forever unless I'm inadvertently deleted. (laughs) Now, that's funny, but it's also sad. Right? Because it's true. If you spend more time looking at your computer screen than you do looking into the eyes of the people that matter, you have issues. Learn to say techno. And let me show you something. Not only do you have issues with your family, you have issues with God. Look what God says in Psalm 4610. Be what? Still. Still. And know that I'm God. There's a correlation between how often you're still, how long you're still, and hearing from God. Did you know there's also a correlation between how often you're still and hearing your spouse? Nothing worse than Janie saying something and I'm reading or scrolling. She goes, did you hear me? No, right? We've had this conversation and it's me. I'm the one that's on more than she is. Dude, if you post something on Janie's Facebook, she might find it before Jesus comes. All right. So that's, it's definitely me. That's so like the other day, Heather posted something. Heather lively said, Hey, I had a great time with, and she tagged all these people. And I said, she'll never see this. So I'm just going to say thank you for her. She had a great time too. Cause she's just not on. So it's, it's me. If you're not sure if you have an issue with this technology stuff, ask a friend who doesn't mind telling you the truth or ask your family and they're going to tell you. We got to learn to say tech no. Turn the thing off at times so that you can spend time with your family. So we're going to say tech no. We're also going to say porno. 
And some of you ladies are going to go, oh, well, this is a dude issue. It's not just a dude issue. One third of the people online looking at pornography today are women. Not only that, women who are insecure try to be noticed through their bodies. Now, I think Janie dresses very classy. I think she, she's beautiful. And I love the way she dresses. And I love the fact that she doesn't show her body to other people. That's cool to me. That's actually very sexy to me. Um, we're bombarded with sexual images all the time. So, so ladies, I'm just asking you to, to, to help your Christian brothers and sisters out. We, we don't need any more temptation than what's out there. 24 seven, six years ago, I took Caleb, um, to the major league soccer all-star game, Ryan and William went with me, Ryan Pence and William Pence went with us. And, and, and we all went to this and I wrote this down because this impacted me so much. So we're, it's the MLS all-stars against, uh, Manchester United. So this was a big deal. So we go down to Houston to NRG stadium and there's this big fan fest going on outside. And I mean, there's stuff everywhere. There's, there's soccer fields outside. There's things you can throw, you know, kick a soccer ball at. You can see how fast you kick a soccer ball. There's all these different things. So here's all the booths that were set up outside home Depot, Napa auto parts, AT&T Volkswagen, Pepsi. There was even a Makita power tools booth. And I was so pumped up about Makita power tools. I'm like, dude, Let's go to that. As we're walking up to this big power booth with power tools, this dude gets on the microphone and he yells, Hey, how many of you want to have your picture taken with Senorita Makita? And I look over and I see this really well-shaped Hispanic girl in no clothes, very few clothes. And, and I went, uh, new. And she was taking pictures with all the old men. And her power tool. And I said, something's wrong with this picture. And so we steered our boys away. And, and I thought, why wouldn't she wear in a trench coat holding that power tool? Because nobody would have paid attention. Sex sells. And in our society, everybody is doing sex opposite of what God says. It's just opposite. You want to know what God says? I don't care if you do. I'm going to tell you what God says about sex. First Corinthians six eighteen says this run from sexual sin. Now, in case you don't know what sexual sin is, because I know some of you go, well, what sexual define sexual sin. All right, let me tell you any sexual stimulation outside of marriage. Does that cover it for you? Images on your computer, images on the paper, whatever, looking at girls as they're walking around, any sexual stimulation outside of marriage is sexual sin. Look what he says. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I was studying this and in the original Greek, the word for run, we have a three letter word run. Here's what the original Greek, that word means. I think I put five U's and 10 N's and several exclamation points. Run! Because I've told you this before. I don't care how in shape you are when you're running, you're not thinking about sexual stuff. <gasps> you know, you're just, you're dying. Go ride a bicycle. There's, there's a hill that I come up. The worst thing ever. Okay. I got a Fitbit and I forgot to wear it today, but I have this app on my phone and it's the Fitbit app. And so I started riding and you can track your distance. So the worst thing ever, first time I'm tracking my, my ride on my bicycle and I put it on there and I'm riding and all of a sudden I hear, one mile in four minutes, 32 seconds. 
And I looked at it and went, oh, dude. So then my next mile was four minutes, 26 seconds. Then I go up this honking hill and it's like six minutes, 42 seconds. I'm like, oh, shoot. And I'm paddling because I got to get my time down. And and it kills me every time because I'm trying to beat my time from yesterday. You guys understand that, right? I'm going to tell you something. There's a, there's a hill that I come up. I call it Death Valley because I come down this hill and then when I come up, it's in the sunshine and it's uphill all the way and it's about a seven minute mile. I don't care how fast you're pumping your little legs. It's a seven minute mile because you're uphill the whole way and you get to the top and you go, <gasps> and then luckily the, that's, then my fastest mile is the next one because it's all downhill. And I'm, Three minute mile. I'm trying to get my time down. Never in any of that process. Is there even a sexual hint in my mind? Because I'm dying. You understand what the scripture is saying? You're not, I'm telling you, you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough to stay in that movie with those images up there. Most of you are not strong enough to stay in a motel room by yourself. Most of you are not strong enough to stay at your house by yourself because of the crap that you're going to put in your mind. And Satan's going to, it's, it's a, it's a temptation. It's a hook that he's going to grab you with. This is very serious. We have to learn to say porn. No, God's no. Now here's the thing. God's no always has two positives behind it. Two positive effects, protection and blessing. God wants to protect you from stuff. And you know, this is true. Sex outside of marriage. You know, God's trying to protect you from stuff. He's not trying to keep it from you. And he wants to bless you with certain things. So every time we say no, every time we sacrifice for the kingdom of God, every time we do something that shows discipline, God will bless us for it. Here what we're talking about is a marriage that's built on a firm foundation. Commitment. One man, one woman together for a lifetime. If you're single, learn to say no now because of a bigger yes. And that's God setting you up for a successful marriage. Because sex is in a category all itself. The scripture says this. There's a physical, there's a psychological, there's an emotional, there's a spiritual aspect to sex. When you have sex outside of marriage, you will not be blessed by God. You don't get the blessing of God while violating the principles of God. So if you've been married before and you're single now, do sex God's way. Run. You should get in really good shape. Because there's temptation everywhere. See, because, all right, so here's the deal. If, if this stage is the edge of sin, if sexual sin is right there, only a fool stays right next to the edge. And you don't make your choices right here. Well, I'm going to stay strong. Right? No, no, no. You go over here, and it's not even big enough. So you come over here and you say, I'm going to say porn no. I'm going to say no to sex before marriage. I'm going to do stuff God's way so that even if, even if I trip right here, I don't fall over the edge. And, and I, I wasn't even planning to say this, but I told the early service this. One time I was at youth camp and then at youth group and, and I decided I wasn't going to have sex until I got married. I just decided that's what God wanted me to do. So I decided that. And so I came home one time. Um, I was 19 years old and there was this girl who had wanted to go out with me. She was a cute girl. And so I took her out. I didn't know she'd been sexually active. Didn't know. Didn't know. Had no clue because I, I just didn't expect it. I thought everybody was a virgin. I knew that wasn't true, but you know, when I, I, so I took her out and we went to the park and, and we were parking at the park. We were kissing. And this had never, I'm telling you, God is my witness, this had never happened before. I was 19 years old. So we're kissing, and all of a sudden she puts her hand on my leg. And she starts running it up my leg. And I'm like, nobody ever, no girl, mm -mm, mm -mm, never had happened to me. And I start going, oh dear God. I'm, I'm thinking, what do I do? And as God is my witness, I grabbed her hand, she got right here, I grabbed her hand, and I said, let us pray. 
And she goes, what? And I said, oh dear God. And I'm not kidding. I said, forgive us for what we're about to do. I don't even know what we're going to do, but God, it was bad. And she slid over to her side of the car and wouldn't even talk to me. I I said, I guess we're done. And so I drive her home. She jumps out of the car, runs in the house. I haven't seen her to this day. And I'm just convinced, man, if you, if you want to cool somebody's jets, you just praying. God shows up and running and praying. Those are the two things. You want to stay pure, you run and you pray. Decide right now. Porn no. You're going to say no to a second look. Ladies, you're going to say no to romance novels because that's just mommy porn. I grabbed a book one time my mama had when I was a kid and I started reading it and I went. And I said, mama. I think I shamed her because I think she got rid of all of them, or at least she hit them better. I don't know. No, mom, she got rid of all that stuff. But, but I'm telling you, that's mommy porn. And when you're watching soap operas and you're getting this emotional connection with those folks and you're, you're wishing that you were with that, uh-huh, that's an emotional affair. So don't think it's just a guy issue. It's, it's just as much a girl issue. Say no to those things so that you can have a bigger yes, and that's God providing for you. And then the last thing is plain no. And notice that they're they're not talking about Texas. There's an I in this one too. Here's what I mean by this. Don't tell me what you're saying yes to. Don't tell me what you're adding to your schedule. Tell me what you're taking out of your schedule. What are you saying no to? Because if you're going to be the person God wants you to be, you've got to say no to certain things. You can't keep crowding your life with stuff. You got to say no to some things. And you say no because you believe that God's going to bring you something better. So good is often the enemy of best. You need to pay attention. If you want God's best, you got to say no to some things that are good. They're not bad. They're just not good in first place. So whatever your issue is, if it's in first place, it's an idol. Practice saying Drano, practice saying Techno, Porno, Plano. And maybe for the first time in, in your life, I want you this week to spend five minutes still in silence before God. And I want you to get a, a, I'm going to do this. I want you to get a little spiral notebook and you're just going to sit there and you can read your Bible before that and you can listen to your Christian music, but then five minutes, here's what I want you to do. Just total silence. I want you to open up that notebook and I want you to say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And just sit there and you may sit there five minutes the first day and you may think of all these other things and you're being distracted. Second day, God, God sees you're serious. He's going to speak to you and you start writing those things down. Now I I use this and and I didn't ask their permission, but, but you're going to understand this. If you have a sibling, when you were younger, did your sibling ever start talking while you were talking? Cut your story off. Anyone? Yeah. Uh huh. Everybody was pointing in the first service. Did that make you mad? If you're telling the story and your sibling jumps in and tells the story, did it make you mad? Has anyone ever gone? Nope. I'm not telling you now. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. You hurt my feelings. That's what you should just say. I'm, I'm a sissy. You hurt my feelings. Um, but here's the deal. Here's what I'm saying. So like if I'm trying to tell a story and somebody cuts in, you know, once or twice, that's, that's understandable. That happens. If it happens all the time, I'm going to quit talking to that person because they don't think I'm interesting enough to listen to what I have to say. And I'm going to go find someone else who will listen. Here's the point. If you're not listening to God, I think he's going to go talk to somebody who will. 
I think he's just going to quit trying. Because he's given us everything we need in his word. 95% of God's will is in his word. We're not spending time there. We're, we're so busy on all this other stuff, we're not listening to God. If you're not willing to listen, God's going to quit talking to you. And he'll find somebody who will take him seriously. Now, if you hear God say something, here's the other thing. First thing you need to do is go to scripture and make sure it's in scripture. (laughs) Here's a news flash. I had somebody one time say, God's telling me to divorce this person. Malachi chapter three says, God hates divorce. Jesus talked about divorce. So now the, the Bible does allow it in certain situations for hardness of heart, for immorality, things like that, but it does not command it. So if you're saying that God's telling you to get a divorce, you, here's what you need to do. You need to spend some time praying. You need to talk to some Christians who are more mature than you are and listen to their advice. Because God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And he's, he's not going to tell you one thing and then tell somebody else something different. He doesn't work that way. The amazing thing in the kingdom of God is when God tells you something, you say, hey, I'm, I'm sensing God saying this. Then you, somebody over here, God will tell them at the same time without even knowing he's speaking to you. And then you get together like in a small group and go, hey, God, Janie, I had this happen the other day. I said, I'm kind of thinking this. And she goes, I've been praying about that for a couple of days. I'm going, oh, maybe this is of God. And when 10 people in the church say, we think God is saying this and you come together and go, when did you... Who gets the glory for that? God does. Too often, you, people are going to say, God's telling me to do this, and it's all about them, and I'm going, I'm sorry. I don't think that's God. There's a Holy Spirit, there's an unholy spirit. And if it's not glorifying God, it's from the unholy spirit. And you need somebody who loves you enough to tell you that. Let's pray together. Father, we need to be a church that... that says the right no so that we can be prepared for a bigger yes. You're not done with us. Thank you for this crowd today, but this is not all the people we're supposed to reach. Help us to recognize who you want us to reach and how you want us to reach them. And help us to say no to the things that don't matter so we can say yes to things that glorify you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.